office hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA. Welcome to Ace Rodney, the talks for the superstars. Tonight, tonight, guest, the incredible, incredible. Y'all ready to have some fun? Guys, come on. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you so very much, folks, for coming tonight. Uh, this is Office Hours. My name is Ernest Wilkins. This is the first live taping of Office Hours ever. Um, so make some noise for yourselves for making history. And I'm really excited to be here. Um, the great folks at uh, the Hoxton, working from the Hoxton, have us here as part of their kickoff week. If you are a creative, if you're a person who's tired of nameless corporations coming in and trying to force a vibe, come over to the Hoxton, get your creative work done here, pull up next week, work from here, get the experience. Uh, make some noise for collaboration real quick. Yes. All right, um, just as a show of just interest, so I know who my audience is, has anyone here read the Office Hours newsletter before? You, you gotta say it, because I can't hear you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to everybody who's listening to this, by the way. This is all very exciting. I'm trying to like enjoy the room, but I'm also trying to talk to you too, so I hope you enjoy this while you're driving to Thanksgiving or something, whatever you're doing. Um, so for folks who have not experienced this before, Office Hours is a podcast and newsletter about the business of culture. And with that, we have a really specific mission, and our mission is to explore how brands and creators leverage cultural moments to achieve creative of success. Um, so I'm really excited to be a part of this. And tonight, you know, before we get to all of this and tonight's guests, we have two fantastic guests. Make some noise for our guests, please. Yes. I'm really excited. This is great. I got a, got the Letterman sweater on with the elbow patches. Like I came correct today for office hours and I, you all look fantastic. Shout out to y'all for getting your winter fits off handsomely, might I add. Um, okay. So before we get to tonight's show, I want to shout out our sponsor. Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins is made at Mess, a design, development, and content studio based in Chicago. Mess helps brands tell their story online and off. Find out more by visiting madeatmess.com. Also, if you haven't subscribed to Office Hours, we're taking it back to uh, the, the uh, <laughs> messaging list. Pass this around, throw your email in so you can get invited to the next one. We're going to keep doing events like this. We're going to keep doing parties. Um, we're also just going to have really cool things that you can get invited to or find out about before other people. Trust me on that one. I try to come through with surprises regularly. So pass this around. If you aren't a subscriber already, get on it. Let's make sure you're a part of the family because we love you and we want you to be a part of our celebration, okay? All right. So this week, we are going to attempt to solve a problem that I believe a lot of creators struggle with, okay? How do you communicate your cultural expertise to a new audience, all right? It's one thing to get to the top of your local scene or your local crew, but it's hard to make it to the next level without being able to translate your cultural context. Now, if you don't know what cultural context is, cultural context is the way that people in a specific context express their cultural relevancy to the larger population. So that means that's why you know who Motown is. That's why you know what the British invasion is. I wrote a newsletter about it. Um, it's called How to Build a Cultural Movement. Go back and read that one. It's really great context. Um, so to that point, this is great. I'm so excited. My guests this week have, have both applied their cultural context to new audiences, and it's brought them immense success. 
by being able to translate their day-to-day experiences, how they were raised, cultural cues, to people who have never walked in their shoes before. It's a great way to say, what have you learned and what can you take it and apply it to a different context? So I'm really excited uh, to get started. My first guest tonight is a native Chicagoan who was a linebacker for the University of Notre Dame, who signed as an undrafted free agent by the New England Patriots. Corey Mays played five seasons in the NFL, and like a lot of his peers in that space, tried to figure out what he was going to do after he retired. He has officially kicked four different flavors of ass since that day. <laughs> I'm saying this right here to him, so he's excited about it. Um, sought out crazy new opportunities after retiring. He's the president of the NFL Alumni Association of Chicago chapter, correct? Uh, and he is an angel investor working with brands big and small. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited. Welcome to Office Hours, Corey Mays! Testing, testing, testing. Corey's here. Corey, welcome to Office Hours, man. How are you? Man, I'm good to be. It's good to be here, man. It's good. I'm Shout so, out to everybody coming out tonight in the yes. cold. There's a lot of other places in the world you can be, but you're here tonight. So how you gonna take my dude? You a rapper? He came in and did my whole shit. I'm in here trying to do the intro. He's like, hey folks, you cold tonight? Uh, you, it was, you got the baritone going. I like it. Anyway. Corey, so I really want to thank you for coming on because I feel like you have a really great feel for what it's like to take a context that you grew up in, being from the south side of Chicago. You know, you went to Morgan Park, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So to that point, you've taken that and applied it in different contexts. First in major college football, then to the NFL itself, and now into your new life in the world of finance. So I want to ask you to start, you know, tell me a little bit about your upbringing and kind of how you got to where you are now. Well, like you said, I'm from the south side of Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, it's kind of like, I'm from the Mile Hunters, not the Wild Hunters. <laughs> so uh, for me, growing up here, I mean, you lose a lot of friends to the streets, and you have to quickly realize you got to do something different, you know, to get out. Uh, I was working at the Plaza. It's an Evergreen Plaza Mall. I was working at Miss Snacks across <laughs> from uh, Montgomery Ward and making 5.15 an hour. Is Evergreen Park the one with the Belvedere Blues, or was that just River Oaks? That was a rogues. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure. But, <laughs> I mean, making five fifteen an hour, and I'm like, this is not the way for the rest of my life, you know. So I knew then that, you know, it it takes a lot of hard work to make money, and you can easily, you know, as soon as you make it, it's gone. So you got to figure out a way. Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, the cycle of poverty. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. So that took you to kind of playing ball, and then you got to Notre Dame, and you were like, okay, cool, I'm doing my thing. And then... So I guess, what context did you take from your, your experiences growing up on the South Side into big time college football? Because like Notre Dame is a very prominent program. You know, they're one of the most heralded, I guess, in as far as championships over time. Like, it probably was a bit of a culture shock, I guess. I've been to South Bend, bro. Like, I, it was probably not, you weren't in there like, hey, okay. Like, what, what was it like? Well, it's like, you know, growing up on the south side and then you go, you're walking across campus and you're meeting people and they're like, oh, where's your, you know, what do your parents do? And somebody says, well, you know, my dad owns NBC. Like, <laughs> we don't have much else to talk about right there. And there right? So I think for me, it was, it, was, it was humbling. It was figuring out, all right, how do you leverage all these relationships now and this networking? And, and figure it out from there. Because, I mean, when you walk in a classroom, I'm the only 
many times the only black student and maybe 300 uh, students in a class or whatever the case may be. And you have to be the, uh, the voice for everybody that's black. It's not fair, but uh, you know, for me, it was figuring out that I had to continue to be me that no matter what I did, I didn't need to work for acceptance from anybody else. Okay. Like, you gotta be yourself. Right. They're already them, so it's like, if you're not vibing with that, you gotta, I think that's what it did was figure out that no matter what you do in life, you gotta be yourself. You but gotta stay now, true to yourself. Being in that context, having been the only black person in a room at work and other social situations maybe, did it? Did you have an initial feel to like want to conform? Did you go like, okay, maybe I need to get with what they're doing, or were you, was it a situation where you're like, nah, I'm good where I am? I think at first, at first, at first, at first, at first you're trying to figure it out, like, what do I need to do? How do I, how do I get into these circles? And then you, you quickly realize, nah, I'm, I'm just gonna do me. I'm just gonna, you know? do <laughs> I'm good because on that's this. what, that's what got me there. You know, I was only 17 as a freshman, so I mean, it's not that I've done that much living at that age, but you know, if it's got me this far, let me figure it out from there and just use some common sense and some some street sense to kind of yeah. listen, listen more than I talk, and then I learned more there. That's know? a cultural cue because I think it's a situation where you can tell. I always say you can tell who was raised on love and who was raised on survival because the people who are raised on survival are way less likely to talk at the beginning. Because mm. they're gonna go, let me survey the scene, check out the, the way that things are looking and feeling, and then I'll make a conversation. But you gotta peep everybody first, I feel like. So that's just an interesting cultural context. I wanna call that out because I think that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily notice. The proclivity to want to get into a room and, and make yourself big or talk or impress people, I don't think it comes naturally to everybody. And so it feels like for you, you had to kind of get a sense of who, you knew who you were, but you had to get a sense of what everybody else was doing before you intro, like introduced yourself into that environment. Yeah. Is that, yeah? Yeah. 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 Okay. So from there, you went, you played some football. How, I, for folks who are all fans, I think some people still, you know what I'm saying? Love the NFL, still watching it. What do you think is the biggest misconception about being a professional football player that people don't know? I think they think that everybody's rich and that it's all glamorous and it's all glory. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who, whose bodies are messed up, who, whose minds are messed up, and, um, you know, whose families just kind of pillage them. You know, they're vultures. Mm -hmm. They take everything from them. I mean, it's, you know, as an athlete, you know, professional athlete, it's like you're walking outside, it's like the, the, the thriller video. People are coming out of yeah. everywhere. The sewers trying to give you a business plan, give you a sob story. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's mentally taxing. I think people, people see the game and they think, oh man, that must be great. You know, or they see a few people, you know, they have a nice house, nice car, and they're on vacation, but there's a whole lot more that comes with it because everybody doesn't come from a stable family and a stable background in which they can just enjoy the experience. Mm -hmm. They feel like they got to take care of everybody. Right. So I think it's, I think that's just, just get that out of your mind. I think that's any celebrity or anybody on that platform, like, it's not sweet. Yeah. Like, they it just looks sweet, like though. it. They think it's sweet. They think it's sweet till you get in there. Yeah. They watch too many episodes of Ballers. All right, Pete. All right, Pete. Writer from Ballers, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just kidding. Switch uh, <laughs> time in the hall. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so you're from South Side of Chicago. I have this thing when I'm talking about a complicated concept where my buddy's pipe fitter, works union, didn't go to college, doing his thing, having a great life. Makes more money than I do. Shout out to him. 
So I want you to apply that context. For somebody who doesn't necessarily know, what is angel investing? So angel investing is basically investing in startups and or other companies that are a little further along and you're helping to build them out. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. Mm. So when you're in this situation where your you're playing days are winding down and you're trying to sig- figure out, okay, what am I gonna do next? What is the next step of this? When did this concept kind of present itself to you? It kind of presented itself a little bit. I invested in one of my friend's uh, companies. It was right before the downturn of the economy, and that investment really helped him um, stay afloat while other businesses around him, they they all failed. So I think for me, that was that first taste of success, and I was like, man, maybe I could really do this. And so during the all-seasons, which was really cool, they had these uh, executive education programs like Harvard and Wharton through the NFL, so I took advantage of those, and it just kind of really exposed me to business. And um, really from there, that's just kind of how it started. Once I was done playing, man, I, I really tried everything. They I, I would, they had this Hollywood boot camp. I went to that, sports journalism, mm. broadcasting, <laughs> really all these things that people say, you should do it, you should do it, and you find out what you're not good at. And, <laughs> you know, and so from there, it just kind of brought me back to business. Right. Okay. So that's interesting because you also got your MBA from Notre Dame too, right? Mm-hmm. So. I think there's an important opportunity here for folks who may not necessarily have access to people who work in business sectors. I feel like there's a language of money, right? There's a language of business, and if you don't speak it, there's a reason why you're probably stagnant in your current situation, because the, the talk that you get and the conversations you have with people who are in the money world are completely different. So I guess in that context, like for young creatives who are in this position, who are trying to build up their own, you know, they want to they want to come to you and they want to pitch their company to you. They want to talk to you about investments. You know, what do they need to know about the language of money in terms of being able to speak that language in order to get their company at a level that could be better than where it is now? I think um, when people come with all these terms and all these uh, big words, I think it's just pretentious, mostly, because you could just say something very easily. You know, like, to me, it's just knowing your names and your numbers. It's understanding, you know, like your margins and everything else, how much this is going to cost, you know, how much revenue you're going to make. I mean, those are the two basic things you need to know and how you're going to grow the business. I mean, if you don't know that, you know, and then it's just like, you know, all right, go back, work on it, come back. Right. So I got to ask, in that context, you are really good at being able to make complicated things simple because you're not trying to overcomplicate it. I feel like you get conversations with people and they're trying to impress you with how much, like how many $10 words they can use, you know? Great, cool. I don't understand what you're saying. So I guess as someone who came from the world of sports, how many people thought you were stupid when they started talking to you? Oh, everybody. I mean, no, not everybody, but I mean, I go into meetings now. I got two degrees from Notre Dame. I got all this accolade. I've done all this stuff, and people still, I walk into the meetings, the body language is off. It's bad. They don't want to listen to you. They think you're stupid. They don't think you, you know, they, it's like being a child actor. You know, they they put you in this, they typecast you. This is what you're going to be. You know, you're going to be Steve Urkel forever. You're going to be a linebacker forever. That's all you're ever going to be. And to me, that's the humbling thing about it. Mm. That's what I love about it, because it's it's just like sports. Don't matter how good you were yesterday. We went out there, you know, uh, I don't think we can cuss on here. You can but we got, No, it's cool. We I'm got good. our ass kicked, right? So now we got to. That's not even a real curse, ass. You know? They say that on Comedy Central. <laughs> so, like, we got to start over from nothing, right? So, right. which is great, man. So you don't walk into situations feeling like, well, I'm this smart and I'm this. Because you can always learn something. Like, 
like it's great to have those things right. but you know when it's all said and done you know common sense is going to rule out mm. you know because once uh the, the theory from chapter 17 doesn't work yeah. out what are you going to do now yeah you know are you going to panic are you going to you know and there's no there's no hindsight in these things right so you got to make a real-time decision you know, that's what that's the great thing about having real conversations with real people and you're getting real experience mm -hmm. instead of just mm -hmm. trying to live in a book. Right. There's too many brainiacs and, and too many people who just live from words in a book but don't apply it to life. So that's you know? a great that's a great example of context because you took a football example and a mentality that I think I, you know, played football in high school. Like, I remember, it's about the, the, the all versus the, the, the few. You know what I'm saying? So, like, everybody's connected and everyone's moving forward. It's very interesting to hear. So, I want to hear, like, what other lessons did you learn in football that you apply to your current life in finance? I think uh, being the first one there and the last one to leave and being able to pivot and not feeling any type of way about it. You know, I think that's those are the things that if you're not flexible in life, if you can't pick yourself up and do something different, then, you know, you, you need to get out of that arena yeah. because things change and you can't be so rigid. You can't be so polarized that, no, this is what it is and this is just what it's going to be. No, I mean, you're going to fail. I mean, you can't you can't progress in life. You can't grow right. unless you're willing to uh, change. OK, so to that point, though. I think there's a lot made about the entrepreneurial mindset, right? A lot of these small business owners, I'm sure you encounter, you gotta be delusional at a certain point to make stuff happen. Like I was delusional to even do this. You know what I'm saying? And so I think, at what point does it go from motivation to delusion? And like, when do you need to tap out essentially? Like, do you, is there, do you know or does it just happen to you? I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't answer that question. I used to run down on kickoffs mm. full speed to hit people, so. I'm the last person to ask about, you know, <laughs> when to <does> stop. <laughs> you know, so but I think it's it's something that drives you, and I think in business you have to be you have to be passionate, right? right. You can't be emotional. No room for emotions, right? Because mm. every emotional decision leads to something pretty bad, right? So you have to be passionate about what you do, and if you love what you do, you just keep doing it, right? right? I love that. Okay, so I want to pivot into the present. You know, you're working with a couple of brands, big and small. I kind of want to get a sense of what the day-to-day -day kind of looks like as an angel investor because is it a situation where you're meeting? Are you in these in these buildings every day checking in? Like, or is it a situation you get a sheet at the end of the month, here's what we did, here's the balances? Like, how does that day-to-day -day look? Some of it is uh, you're getting statements or you, you know, you're checking in, you know, maybe once a week, once a week or once a month. Um, other stuff, you're a little more hands on. Mm. Like for one of the companies, we do like IOT, smart city stuff, smart lighting, smart poles, all that stuff. Smart and poles? Yeah. Like the Billy Jean video? The streets lighting up? Yeah. That's, like, that's really not going to be a thing. Light, no. Oh, but, I was like, y'all working on that? <laughs> Shit, okay. But, but I mean, it's just, you know, that's the day-to-day -day grind. Uh -huh. And then uh, for one of the other brands, like Love Corkscrew, it's a wine company. Lovecorkscrew.com. Sign up. <laughs> wine membership. Yeah, you so, I mean, it, promote them on my shit. They ain't paying me. <laughs> <laughs> Shots love. Unless y'all want to, though. Let's, hey, let's talk to. about it. Hey. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I love it because my week is different. Every week is different. Mm. And, you know, I just, to me, it never gets monotonous. But some weeks, you know, Monday, I feel like a genius. Friday, I feel like an idiot, you know. But, I mean, that's business, man. There's waves, there's ups and downs, and you got you to gotta stay even keel. You can never get too high, never get too low. You, just you, know, gotta, you know who said that as well? The Rock on Ballers. <laughs> it's my show, man. <laughs> R.I.P.
Um, okay, so before we wrap up, I kind of want to get a sense because this is something I'm really excited about because I like providing value. I'm all about value. I want to make sure that the people who listen, the people who are here in the building, go home with something that will make their lives better. And so to that point, I want to ask you, I, let's, let's, do a, let's do a scenario. I am a young business owner. I, got, I just got my LLC together. My cash is looking good. My, my cash flow is looking good. I'm in a position where I'm feeling like I'm feeling myself. I'm doing it, you know? At what point do I reach out to someone like you? Or at what point does someone like you pay attention to something that I'm doing? Is it you find these people or do these people come to you with like a proposal or something like that? I think it's always somebody trying to pitch you. Like mm -hmm. if you put it out there in your bio, like, I mean, it's it's every day. There's yeah. somebody reinvented water, somebody reinvented oxygen. It's just <laughs> something new every day, right? right. So I think it's uh, you can always you can always get on the list, man. There's so many angel groups. There's so many much stuff now. There's social media. There's mm -hmm. so much so many ways that right. people can uh, get to capital. Now it may be hard to acquire the capital, mm. especially for people that look like me. Well, let's talk about that because I think. The reason, I mean, we the can't reason, be afraid to talk about that too. You got to, because I think that there's a very big discrepancy between people of color who are in these spaces and people who aren't of color. Like, how has that, you've had to probably succeed in spite of that, or it's the twice as good, half as far kind of situation. So for that, I mean, is that something you took that, that persistent nature from football into this? Because I know you button your head up against it every single day, damn near. Oh, man, I wanted to be a linebacker in some of these meetings. But, you know, they got these laws. My man's going to come with Terry Tate Act. He's going to be an office linebacker. It, it, it was an adjustment, right? Because in, in sports, like, I either did good on this play or I did bad on this play. And we can move on to the next play. And, you know, it's, it's like you get those small wins right. very easily right. versus business. There's so much gray area in between. You never know, like, <laughs> kind of where you stand yeah. sometimes. And so it takes forever to do anything. I, I think for me is, is, is seeing the, the full landscape of diversity and inclusion and, and being in meetings and, and being a part of deals that have like, damn, we on the 16th month of working this deal? Like every time we come back with a demand, the goalpost moves further and further mm. and further. And it's like, all right, somebody's trying to play me. You know, like it's, it's disgusting, but at the same time, yeah. I know what I'm, what I'm doing it for. Right? You know what's funny about that? That's cultural context. Because you can tell, especially if you grew up in the south side of Chicago, you can tell when someone's finessing. I believe it's in the drinking water here. People from Chicago know how to finesse. They know when they're getting finesse. Just, just hang out. Dot com. <laughs> 95th and Dan Ryan and ride the red line back and forth. Period. You'll hear hustling all day. That's it. But I think to that point, when you're in that situation where somebody who might be a little more green doesn't know they're getting finesse, how do you... I guess bring the impact to them to say like no 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 I understand what's going on here no we got to get this done like how do you communicate that you know because the other thing is the other side of it is I'm sure you've been uh, he's a little aggressive uh, I don't I don't you, you have to deal with any of that nonsense? I mean I've, I've really learned from a, uh, a lot from my business partners mm -hmm. about patience okay and about letting people kind of uh, hang themselves in situations yeah totally. and always have a paper trail you know real People, these people, man, some people are just completely stupid and they'll just email it and they'll email themselves and, and, and put themselves in a bad situation. But I think it's, you know, it's, you got to be patient. You got to be patient. You got to know when to put the foot on the neck and when to kind of 
hang back a little bit and just observe and see what they're doing. Because okay. you want to see the whole landscape. You want to see everything that they're doing, right. right? So this is about strategy, you know. This is all this is. I equate it back to sports. It's just like we're trying to figure out what they're doing on the other side. That's it. You know? Okay. So wrapping up here, share one fact that you think Office Hours listeners and readers might not know. How many people are here uh, business owners or entrepreneurs? Okay. Make some noise. Yeah. Say something. All right. Yeah. So a fun fact. Everybody in here has been an athlete before. You competed in the biggest sport ever created called getting pregnant. You competed with thousands of other people to get to where you are right now. So when you feel like the competition is heavy and you feel like, damn, I don't want to do this anymore, just remember that you've created life before and you can create another life for yourself. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. Corey, where can people find you online? If they want to link with you, they want to learn more, they want to hear what you have to say, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my social media is Corey is. You're the first person in history to lead off of LinkedIn, by the way. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> I mean, that's business, right? Oh, no, you led with it. I'm with it. I, I wasn't ready for it, though. So, though. Corey is amazing. C O R E Y I S A M A Y S I N G. That's a lot. Or just check your social media because you'll see the spelling on them. But I you know, I, I love to help people. Um, let's connect. Um, that's what I feel like my my purpose on this earth is here to to help people. Um, it's not cliche. You know, sometimes it gets me in trouble. I get too in over my head, which I should be being paid and consulted for helping people. But you know, I think it's something that you put that vibe out to the world. You know, people have done it for me, so I want to make sure sure other people are good. My next guest is also a native Chicagoan, but this gentleman has quickly amassed the following across multiple platforms by creating culturally relevant content that speaks to the people and the surroundings that he is from. He is part of the Smoked Out Couch Show. He is all over the, the internet. He writes articles for Chicago Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Larry Legend, everybody. Make some noise. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, hello. hey, hey, hey. Right. How you feeling? I'm all right, man. Good. I'm I smoked really... the blunt on the way walking over here from my car. So you feeling good? Hey. Oh, you got yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm yeah, feeling good. I love it. I'm all right. So question, because I saw this on Twitter. I want to get a, I want to get started with a little spicy take real quick to kick off the conversation. Okay. Yesterday, the tweet went out and it said, how come Chicago never blew up like New York City, Los Angeles, and Atlanta it did in the rap game? And you had a thought about it. And I'd like to hear that thought share. Uh, we don't have a, a industry. That's how I feel. I okay. feel like uh, the main thing, one of the main things is like we don't have uh, record labels here, major record labels. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a big outlet. And then our radio station don't support our artists like that. Like the only one that really does is uh, 92.3. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that is the reason, most of the reason. A lot okay. of people like to blame it on violence, but no. I don't believe that. I actually think I know the answer to the question. What? It's three things. One, resources, because I think Hex. the industry in and of itself, Chicago has talent. We all know this. We all see it. I see a lot of talented people in the room. Talent doesn't have enough foundation and resources to do the thing that they need to do. It ain't just about the labels. It's about the photography studios. Yep. It's about the catering. It's about the makeup. It's about the hair. And so I think 
Chicago had a moment where it did blow up in 2011, 2012, but I think the city wasn't prepared, which leads me to my next point. Number two, the few people who did get on held that shit to themselves. Yeah. They kept it to themselves. You know, they hustled backwards to try to extend their own reach, but now they have to lump themselves in with everything else going into Chicago to still see relevant. What do you think about that? That's real. I mean, it's really like, we a city who, who when other people say something is good from our city, then we latch on to it. But before then, we'll just act like we External validation. Yes, that is very true. Yeah. That's very true. That's real. Okay. So that was a serious conversation. The third and final thing about this is Chicago is just as dysfunctional as every other city that has been named in this list. I lived in Atlanta for years, you know, knowing people in New York, knowing people in Los Angeles. I don't think the ideal industry situation exists. I think some stuff looks good or people go to the studio or they go to, they take the picture in front of the elevator, you know what I'm talking about, in front of the elevator in the logo in the, in the lobby in the, the studio office. Spotify and, office period. and all of that. And they think that that's the industry. And it's like, no, dude, like you still got to work. <laughs> yeah, that's facts. Yeah. I, I just feel like we got our own industry here now. At the, 100%. Like, like we, we connect with each other a lot. We all go to the same events. We all see the same people. So at the end of the day, you're going to meet somebody yeah. who do something. And that's it. the way we kind of make our industry. So that's what I want to pivot to because you yourself, I believe that the content you create is exactly what a lot of brands and a lot of people in these spaces are trying to do, straight up. And I see it because I see who takes your shit. Mm. You can be, you, and I know you've, I want to hear about that too. Yeah, I see it. Right. You tell, know. Me, tell me, the mo have you noticed the most egregious thing that has been, that you've posted and then you've seen like somebody really fuck up? Do you have an example of that? Um, nah, I mean, nah, not really. I don't <laughs> really, I see a lot of people do the same stuff we do. And um, it's just, it's cool with me because it's just let me know we on the right path with right. what we doing. But I don't really, I don't really care too much about it like that. Yeah. Because we always got new stuff and it's always so, it's so much stuff that we ain't even did yet that, right. you know. Now I think you're, you're also in front of an audience of folks who may not necessarily be as tuned into your stuff. And I think the thing that, I think your biggest mainstream thing this year was probably your official ranking of the best Heralds franchises in the city of Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah. You did it for Chicago Magazine and it has started, I think you set, you called, I think you exposed a lot of people in the food and drink world. Yeah, cause they went to like, how, you can't tell me the top 10 nothing in Chicago because I'm here, so I'll be there. So, like, you going off the Internet. He, the, the, What happened was uh, the guy, he uh, <laughs> he um, he went to the website, the Harold's official website. Harold's has a website? Yeah, they actually got, like, four because there's so many yeah. people. Yeah, but it's one website that got all of the heroes on there, right? Okay. Or it's, well, it's, I say it's like 30 official heroes. Okay. And he that's went to good. all of those. Uh, but you got the ones that's like legit. in the trenches that they don't know about. They're that's, not going to go to 75th and State. No. They're not going to go to 73rd and Stony. That's not happening. Like, come on, man. So no. they, I'm just like, nah, you got to go with the ones that the people know. Because you're talking about heroes, and that's a South Side thing. Yes. So you can't tell me you know, 35th is top five. Like, it's, it so, just got here. How was that top it. five? You know? Like, no way. Got rookie of the year, man. Yeah, nah, nah. Okay. And, they, and they gave me food poisoning one, so... Oh. Get them out of here. Ooh. Sorry. Okay. So Sorry. That, that's, a, but that's, a, that's a great point, though, because the context of what you just said, you have people who are supposed to be experts talking about something that they don't have any sort of experience with. 
Right. Now, how does that does that bother you, Corey? You over here? What's up, man? You about to you you hyped up? <laughs> Corey, is that mic? Turn that mic on. Let's he, talk. He understands. Yeah. He from around where I'm from, so he definitely know the hundreds. You said the Mal hundreds. Is a hundred third and Morgan mild or wild? What do you think? I would call it mild. You think it's mild? I think it's mild now. Mm -hmm. It wasn't mild before. A hundred third and Halsted. Mm, that's wild. Okay. This is right the same. It was like block it's the same, but it's not the same. No, I mean yeah. <laughs> Morgan got a church. Halsted got a CVS and a Harold's. But it's got that weird CVS where, like, even if you try to get, like, shaving cream, it's behind the thing. It's actually closed down now. Oh, it closed? Yeah. Damn. They closed down. That's crazy. That's, that's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so I think this is important because you got an opportunity because you called the shit out. And you're like, this is not a real list. This is not real shit that Chicagoans are actually a part of. So I want to talk about that. Like, what was that feeling like to have people be like, wait you know what you're talking about and like to be able to come and write that article and be like no like we're here and we're doing this shit in real time did you feel like i'm trying to think of the best way to say this did you feel like the stuff that they were putting out wasn't real stuff it was just kind of for a specific audience like were they speaking to you i don't i don't necessarily think it wasn't real i just feel like well it wasn't real because you know they had to ask us but i, I think that it was it was cool because it was giving a highlight to heroes for me and i felt like it's the thing, I don't know, like the internet makes everything that's old new a little yeah, bit, and they also sure. like really pump it up. So like Harold's been around for forever, but yeah. now it's like becoming more and more of a thing, so. That happened to me when I wrote that thing about Taurus Flavors. What did you say about I literally it? was like, I don't trust or respect any so-called foodie who's never had a sweet steak. That's that's real. Because how you gonna say you're from the city and you ain't had a, a sandwich that's been around as long as some of these other sandwiches has been around? I got a question for you. Talk to me. Home of the Hoagie Ooh. or Taurus Flavors? Taurus. Period. Oh, Taurus. Oh, man. Although Home of the Hoagie, you can get fries, though. Yes, and they sandwich is better than me. But wow. I'm from over that way. That's so what I'm saying. You're from over there. Don't, that's kind of hard for me to tell you, like, that's yeah. the best. But it's the best. Because I, I grew up <laughs> in school, like, when I was young, I was college growing and all that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is a, a very interesting situation because I, I'm also very fascinated by the content you're creating. So you're doing the Smoked Out Couch. Smoked Out Saturdays. Sorry, Smoked Out Saturdays. But, um, like, Saturdays has too many letters, so they made us make another name on Twitter, so it's Smoked Out Couch because that's who we are. Thank you. I was, I've been sitting on this because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be sitting here like, damn, I ain't got nothing else to drink. I'm finna smack that. But anyway, uh, uh, it's we it's smoked out Saturdays. Yeah. Um, and the show's been around two years or three years. This is our second year. Second year. Uh, so we like almost folks. had fifty episodes in three episodes. But pretty much what we do is we uh we um have a lot of different creators from Chicago between artists and owners of businesses and things like that come on the couch and you know tell us what they got going on, but smoke with us as well and we also gonna talk about everything else going on so we don't just want to keep it with what you do because hey man we, we don't really care that much we just want to know a little bit and we want to know how you think like what do you think about this you know what i mean like that's how we really rock with the show like it's kind of like a session with your guys and other people come through that's like pretty that. much it so as weed is going to be legalized in january mm -hmm. do you think you're going to do a live version of it yeah, we was trying to actually, we was trying to do one 
uh, before. Mm. I don't want to say illegally, but mm. we was trying to do one just like some private event type thing. Um, but we just figured we was gonna wait till it became legal, so we didn't have to worry about nothing. Right. And uh, we gonna yeah, we gonna get some stuff going on for sure. Okay. So I want to talk real quick because as a content creator in Chicago, and I know this because I am one as well. How frustrating is it to make stuff here? Or is it not frustrating at all? Is it better than it used to be? I want to hear your opinion. Uh, it's frustrating for me because I found the person who I like the most with what we do. Like, the person who helps, who films most of my work mm -hmm. and um, kind of does everything, the, the editing and all of that, he a gem. So I can't, it's hard for me because he does so much other stuff. So I can't just get with him when I want to. Mm -hmm. And um, I've tried to get with people around the city. It doesn't work out. Because it's like, it's just, it's, it's like, if, even if I get with somebody who, who, who can work, who want to work, they don't have the same uh, checklist yeah. like he got. Like, he'll come through, he's coming through with the lights, the mic, uh, you know, all of these different things. And then I work with some people who only got a camera. So it's like, uh, okay, this isn't going to be good. Like, I don't know we're not going to put this out. Right, because it's not going, it's not well lit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, we, it's a lot of stuff I do that we don't even put out, but it's because so, we need him. But that goes back to the point of resources. Yes. Because it was a situation where, like, I, I think ideally, if we had that level of production talent or the people who can have all of those things and do have all that equipment knew about this or had that communication, you'd probably be in a different situation right now. Yeah, it's... It's just tough, man. Like I, I always just look at it like I work with the with the people that I work with for the right reason, and we we click for a reason. So I'm gonna just wait. I'm not gonna be like super anxious to try to get it done. I yeah. I tried that already. It didn't right. work for me. So I just be waiting on the right stuff to to come on. So like we just got the show going. So that's something to just keep putting us out, keep putting out a little bit of content. We've been putting out like 30 second skits and stuff like that. But I saw like, the one. If you haven't seen it. What's the Bucket Boys video actually called? It's called The Children of the Hood. So if you all have ever been, like, mostly on the South Side or at a Bulls game, these guys are playing their fucking bucket, and they just, like, Cubs, going they crazy. They beat the Cubs game. They beat the Cubs? They beat the Cubs game. That's crazy. It's like the, I feel like it's like the B team, though. It's not like the actual Yeah, right? the real ones are at uh, the Bulls games. The Bulls game. Those are the official ones. They they actually was mad at me for the video. You uh, had beef with the Bucket Boys? Yeah, though? I like it. I, li I encourage all beef, man. <laughs> It's like, keep my name coming out. Like, I like that. But it was just like, he was, they were really upset because we, they felt like we were making fun of the Bucket Boys. And I don't uh, feel like we would make the bucket. Essentially, it's a horror movie trailer. Start yeah. the Bucket Boys. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'll just give you a, like, have y'all ever been riding, like, getting off the E-Way and you seen those guys? Like, especially, like, on 22nd. 55th. 79th, 87th, 87th is where it ends. So yeah. if you meet a bucket boy from the, the Hunnets, he's lying. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> he's strictly trying to get some money. He might try to rob you. Stay away. Keep your windows up. But they always come by your door and they beat on their bucket. No, no fucking beat though. And it tweaks me out because my brother's a drummer, so yeah. I know you know. Yeah, I know yeah. rudiments and paradiddles and all of that. <laughs> yeah. That's how that's ever been said on this podcast. Hey, man, you know, I'm trying to get the knowledge, but do it. It's, it, when I don't hear good beats, you don't get fucking money at all. It's, I, I respect the art, but I respect the art, so I don't care what you're doing. If it's not good, 
I don't care what you, who you are. That shit sucks. Sorry, bro. No change for you. Like, but it's it's pretty much a horror story of that kind of situation. Like, if you just was in your car and one of them came into your window, what are you gonna do? I'm not gonna give you any more. Just check out Children of the Hood. Uh, we didn't put it on YouTube though. It's right now. <laughs> because YouTube is kind of like lost its sauce a little yeah, bit. Yeah, with, as much with, as like when I was when I was first putting out videos on YouTube, I was probably doing like a thousand or more views a video, and like I took like maybe two years off, and. The rec- the most recent videos, it'd be like fifty views. It's because they want you. It's because they want you to pay. Yeah, fuck that. I'm not <laughs> they doing want that. You to pay. All right. So going back to the conversation around brands, because as somebody who's making authentic culture, I know you roll your eyes probably when you see a brand come out with their attempt to try to cater to the demographic or the culture, as it were. What do brands get wrong about advertising to the culture? Uh, yeah, that's facts, everything. But the, the, I think the people they send, like, I don't want to, I don't know what to call them. The people they send out to, to look this stuff up. The, the, the missionary, the research. The, the research the team, team. They aren't a part of the culture. Mm. So if you're not one of us, you can't really talk to us. Like, you don't know how to speak people's language if you're not them. So it's like, you can have somebody who might dress like us. They might do some of the stuff we do, but if you didn't live a life, you won't you won't relate to me right. like that. So I, that's why I think they go wrong the most. Okay. So on top of that, I mean, locally, what I've seen, and it, and and I might be talking out of school, but it's my show, so I can do that. <laughs> it feels like with the concept, and I think it's going away now with influencers, right? The influencer marketing kind of yeah. wave, I feel, is crested a little bit. It seemed like the same nineteen people. We're yeah. like Chicago. So it's like, oh, Chicago campaign. Here comes yeah. X, Y, Z, and A. Yeah. And so I, as somebody who you do stuff and people respond to it at a level that's higher than some of these people, how does it make you feel? Nah, it, I just feel like people go through their phone book and see the same name so they rock with the same people. They might be outdated, and then people don't know that, but if you maybe... I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how people find my stuff like right. that. I just do it and... Whoever pick it up, pick it up. I don't really care. I'm a, once it's out, I'm thinking about the next thing. So I don't really focus too much on on like who's picking it up. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I'll be honest with you, man. Like, <laughs> all right, I have some quick Chicago-focused content. So if you're not from the city right now, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and turn on Joe Button. Um, <laughs> Larry, what's up? Why is everybody stealing Chicago slang? Drake. It's Drake's fault, guys. Drake has sat in Chicago for what? Since what you said, we we got we got our shine in 2011. 2011. He's been here since then. He might not be here, but he got a mole. Maybe five of them. <laughs> they all on every side of the city, and they just listening like, oh, okay, thought. Okay, write that down. Okay, bust down. Oh, that's not a watch. Write that down. <laughs> yeah. Like they just. It, I think what another thing is is that we make everything we do the best ever. Like, we just swear we the best. You have to, though, because yeah. you feel it's the city of hella haters. Yeah. So, like, you know you can't come halfway on anything you do. That's facts. Like, like I said, like, when people, um, just like how when people looking at the city, they always think, like, it's Chirac and things like that because yeah. of 
popularity and all of that stuff. Nigga, we made, the song like, even the dude who made the name Chirac, he probably thought it was the rawest thing ever. And right. he's from Chicago. So because he think it's so raw to outside, they think it's even raw because we go so hard on what we do. Like, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. Like... The way Bust Down got it's it's ridiculous to me. I, I I'm very upset about and that it, one. They could have kept that. They could have that that's one. Your, yeah. But Bust Down is like that's heroes. You know what I mean? That's like some real shit. Like you, if you're from here, you know that's, Bust Down. That's Italian Fiesta. Yeah, yeah, that's Italian Fiesta. If you've never been to Italian Fiesta, keep it that way. Yes, I'm gonna be honest with you. Keep that way because I had a I ate one whole one in a set in a sitting. Are you still alive? <laughs> I died that night, <laughs> and on that third day, I rose up. <laughs> but, like it was, it was bad. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't advise anybody to Don't go to a whole Italian fiesta pizza. It's too much grease. You could use it for your hair, your face. <laughs> Said the original J. Crow. Okay, um, so this is a sports-related conversation, and what do we do about Mr. Bisky, bro? Get him out of here. What do you mean? First of all, I, I say things that I shouldn't say a lot. Go crazy. All right. You guys ready for this? I think that the lady who owns the Bears either needs to die or sell the team. Wow. That's because they, own, they don't even look at black quarterbacks. Cam, Cam Newton is out there. Said he wanted to get traded to the Bears. It would be nice. It would be better than Mitch. I didn't. I mean, we, we only. Who was the last black quarterback we had? Henry Burris. <laughs> when was that? 96? No, we had Cordell Stewart in like Oh, you're right, you're right. He played for like two games. He you're right. sucked, but he was here. <laughs> we had the ghost of Cordell Stewart. I just feel like, like they only picked Mitch because he was white. He fucking sucks, man. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell that out. But he sucks, bro. You're passionate. I love it. He really sucks. Like, because I, I I used to work there. So I had to watch Jay Cutler throw interceptions, you know. I seen Bears uh, fans and Lions fans fight. You know what I mean, like I've seen grown men with families fight because we lost and lose the fight. Like, and they lost the fight in the game. Two, two L's in one day. <laughs> you could do that on Smoked Outside or you could smoke two L's with us. But I, that kind of L, that was I'm straight, man. I don't like that. It was bad to see. So when I see that, and then like even going back to 06 when we went to the championship with Rex Grossman, he's yeah. very gross. It's in the name. We won. We, we we got there. We won a lot of games with our defense, but we got there. We got there. This guy fucking sucks. I don't know what he be looking at. I don't know what level of Madden he plays, <laughs> but he sucks. I guarantee he doesn't play with himself on Madden. No, I guarantee. No. He sucks. <laughs> Get him out of my city today. He's like not even play as himself on Madden. Man, I hope everybody. I don't even really. I'm not like a big. Colin Kaepernick should be back in the league type of guy. Like, I'd look at the numbers or whatever, but send somebody out there Saturday, please. Anything is better than Mitch. I really, I tried. It isn't working out for me. I'm sorry, guys. You said I tried? I tried. I gave him some shots. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Touchdown. Okay, cool. Interception. Wow. Like, fuck that guy. Like, I'm I'm straight. People would say Jay Culler was worse. Mm, How dare they? No. How dare they? How dare they? <laughs> it's disrespectful, Frank. Man, that nigga suck. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, so let's keep it sports real quick. Chicago Bulls. Suck. Uh, I like our team for real. We just don't have a superstar. And I think, like, that's really all we missing. And, of course, a coach. And, of course, a GM. And, of course, a fucking the president. Owner, team, yeah. president. Whatever. Like, I think it starts at the top for real. Like, honestly, I think we got to get rid of... 
Uh, Reinsdorf, he needs to sell the team. He cares about baseball. He don't care about basketball. He doesn't even care about it when he had Mike. He said that, though. He said he would trade all six titles for another World Series ring. So fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. We had our World Series. We sure what was did. it, 07, 08? 05. wow. Great year. So fun away, so far away. <laughs> but we had it. Now it's like they're, you know, they actually got pieces now. But the Bulls, you know, Denzel Valentine is still on the team. We had uh, Campaign, one of the worst players who ever entered the NBA. We have uh, Marquise Teague, one of the worst players who ever entered the NBA. We paid Felicio. I don't even know how old he is. He looks 12. He looks, 12. <laughs> like, he looks like the kid off um, Birdie Mac Show. Yes, yes. Junior but you know, he looks like he looks like Junior from My Wife and Kids. Wow. That's 100% accurate. He do. He's like a seven-foot Junior. He looks like a big baby, big goofy. Like, get him off my team. I don't like... I just don't like the way we run the Bulls because we got so much rich history when it comes to the 90s and the, early, the late 80s. Yeah. So it's like, man, they suck. Are you a LeBron fan? No. <laughs> I'm not against LeBron, but it's more so his fans that make me not like him. Mm. They're Bron, what do we call them? Bron sexuals. Bron sexuals. Bron sexuals. People who will really fight you because you don't like LeBron. It's crazy. I don't understand it. Do you feel like, I feel like how people act about Bron was how we act about MJ? No. No, no. Not the, the numbers back up, MJ. LeBron's shit is all about if he had this, if he had that. Man, Kyrie broke his knee first game. If they, if they had Kyrie, they would have beat. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Them niggas lost, okay? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you lose by 100 or you lose by one, Thank you. Thank you. Did y'all rehearse that shit? What the fuck? That's, 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 that's what you learn in school, man. Like, nah, you either you lose, you lose, bro. And you live it. to fight another day. You live to fight another day. You got you to gotta count your losses. Okay. So, Larry, before we get out of here, I want to talk again about cultural context, man. The, the way that you grew up and you talk about the way that people speak, the way that people act. How can brands and people who work in those brands get better at marketing to the culture. How can they get better? To Chicago culture? To, let's start, let's start with, yeah, let's do Chicago. Mm, oh, man. I, I, I think they got to just dig deeper than the people they know. Excuse me. To find out, like, who's more, like, Are you relaxed now, by the way? I see you with the Rock Nation brunch right you know, now. It's yeah, crazy. Uh, hopefully, Rihanna's there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they just got to reach out to the right people. I think some people, like you said, when they got on, they took it. And a lot of those people need to open up because they know people who can right. make afford it the culture. Yeah. Like, so I think that's really where it comes. And then, like, if you coming from a company who's not from Chicago and you sending people here to try to learn something, yeah. you need to just hire people here. Don't send nobody. Because we live this every day. Yeah. Like, even the whole Chief Keef and the whole GBE thing. Like, that's real. Like, that's not yeah. music. That's not videos. That's real-life stuff that happens every day. I've been to his grandma's house. <laughs> that's hey real. Man, I'm just think. saying, man. Like, Woo. hey, man, them, some of those guys beat buckets. <laughs> <laughs> some of those guys beat buckets? You got beef with the entire... I don't have beef with the bucket boys. They got beef they with you, me, Did man. they send you a letter? On like no, one of, the, one of the guys who plays at the Bulls games uh, just was like... He pulled up on you? On Twitter, people are not gonna pull up on you in real life. They know they come to the hundreds. Are you crazy? Come on, man, stop it. But yeah, you know, it whatever. is what it is. Okay, so Larry, 
Tell the office hours listeners and the folks in the attendance tonight one fact you think they don't know. Oh, so since you brought up heroes, I'll mm. go there. Um, all of the heroes don't have the original recipe. It's probably only like four. Yeah, I'll plug one of them because those are my guys. 95th and Bill. Those are my guys. They are actually Harold's grandkids. Uh -huh. So they have the original recipe, the original fry cut. Mm. Fry cut. Did you know fries came in different cuts? <laughs> yes. They have different fries. Wow. They have the fry cut. They have, they have uh, steaks and fillets. Mm. For, for catfish, for and, catfish. And, and the perch and all of those things. People, things that people like that I don't really care for. I'm just going for the wings. Yeah. They got shrimp. I'm just giving you a fact. That's a fact. Fun fact. So if you guys ever want some real hills, you got to go to like 95th and Bill. If you all the way in the South Burbs, you can go to 116, um, no, to 167. 167, Country Club Hills. Yeah, Country Club Hills. That's another one they own. And, Shout out um, to the South Suburbs in this motherfucker. Yeah, South Suburbs, man. That's a part of the South Side. I don't know why people try to act like the Burbs aren't a part of Chicago. Well, because people used to clown people from the Burbs. From the Burbs. In the 90s, yeah. I understand. But yeah. the 90s are over. <laughs> It's real gangsters in the in, oh, in the burbs. My whole family from Riverdale, trust me. Riverdale ain't a burb. That's, that's, a whole, that's, that's another garden. city, that's Joe. Yeah, that's like the garden. It's like, yeah. come on, cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Larry is Legend, all one word. You can find me on Instagram as Larry is Legend one. And Who got the original Larry's? Somebody finessed you? I did. And let me tell you what I did. I Talk did something me. stupid. Uh, I had a girlfriend. That's not yeah, okay. Well, I was yeah, stupid I was, then because <laughs> she we got into this whole thing. This was like 2011 or something, and oh, it was, was a wild like, time. Get off of you're always on the internet, Ruthie. Why I'll do anything for you, baby. I'll delete your Instagram. Yeah, oh, you deleted your delete my Instagram for you. Never had that kind of pussy again. I swear to God, I won't. I'm straight. That ain't worth deleting my social media. I'm not deleting my social media from nobody else. Live your life. Yeah, man. I've been trying to make money off myself for a long time. So you're not going to stop this lady who I don't even talk to anymore. Can't fuck up the progress. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Larry Legend. All right. Thank you. All right, sports fans, um, this is the time of the program where I tell you, if you do not subscribe to the Office Hours newsletter, you should do so. You can find it at officehours, that's one word, dot, sub, S-U-B, stack, S-T-A-C-K, dot com. Subscribe there. Find us on all podcast listening platforms. Um, thank you so much for coming, folks. Thank you so much for listening to everybody. Um, this is fantastic. My name is Ernest Wilkins. This is Office Hours, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Respect my dream.
so don't get lost. They want a feature, but they can't afford the cost. My rate just double, 16 bucks cost you a house. I'm spending money like I'm printed in the house. I'm the trap god, I'm the Jay-Z of the South. I'm the coolest nigga I'd have never seen. If you ask me, I'm the GOAT, but that's just me. Fuck your opinion, my opinion, back to spending. If you ain't got it, why did you not go and get it? That's how I live, fuck friends, fuck opinions. You make mistakes, you make friends, I make millions. Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA.